Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome in to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am your host this week, Alex Gilstrap, with my boy, Ryan Roberts. Ryan, how are you doing today? Wonderful, Alex. Wonderful. I'm just glad that we got an upgrade in, uh, in host today, finally. <laughs> That's exactly it. We had to get rid of Joe. He has been punted from the podcast, uh, as his specialist would know. Uh, no, Joe actually took a trip. He took the week off this week. Uh, so we're going to try to navigate this podcast without him, something that we are both uncomfortable with doing so, but we're going to figure it out. I think I think we can handle it. Oh, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I, I, I mean, hosting I mean, hosting stinks, to be honest. Joe does such a great job. Yeah. Shout out to yeah, Joe out there, Mr. D. Yeah. Best voice. Joe's the man. Best voice in podcast, in, um, podcast history. But we the show must go on, as they say. Yes, we must have an episode, and this week we're actually going to talk about the cornerback position, previewing some of these some of these top prospects, some day one guys, some of the, the high upside guys that we like in this year's class, and I know there's a lot of conversation going on about a lot of these cornerbacks from an athletic, athletic testing standpoint with some of these 40 times that are coming out, and just overall ranking these guys, so we're going we're gonna to dive in, but first let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is now in full swing and college basketball is heating up as the schools make their way to the madness. The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 bracket madness contest on Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head over to the site betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So Ryan, this cornerback class has you know, received a lot of talk as of late. You know, some of these prospects, you know, who, how you rank them, and it looks like the top three uh is 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 heavily argued you know what order you have them in but for you as a whole how is this cornerback class to you from day one all the way down to the end of the draft i've I've really enjoyed this season and this draft process for the cornerback position because i mean to be very honest i came out of summer and i was very skeptical i wasn't a huge fan like there were some guys obviously that we're going to get into that i was a big fan of in the summer there are some players that i definitely got the appeal but it was, for me, an underwhelming group and a, a group that had a lot of question marks to be answered going into the season. And we saw some of those guys answer those questions. Um, so looking ba- looking at it now in retrospect, I'm very happy of how this class has developed. And now I think it's one of the stronger units in the entire class in general. Like I think that there are guys from day one, round one, day two, second and third round to day three, four through seven, and maybe even kind of going into that UDFA type of range, I think there's guys that can make football teams, that can make an impact, that have long-term outlooks that are very good. Uh, For me, I think that this is a very good class. And I I was excited that we waited on this one a little bit in these position kind of follow-ups to see how the the classes have have progressed throughout the draft process because I think that this is one of the bigger surprises for me personally. 
Yeah, I think I think day two is really the area that it has heated up. There's a bunch of names that kind of came out of nowhere during the 2020 season. You know, some Greg Newsom's out of Northwestern, Aaron Robinson out of UCF has gained some steam through a through a pretty good senior bowl there, uh, as well as some of these other guys. Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota, someone that's risen up boards as of late. Yep. Uh, shout out to our boy Jeremiah Bogan for that one. He was on him early. He so. Was. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's been a lot of cornerbacks that have made, you know, gained some steam in the 2020 season, as well as some guys that have solidified themselves as first round prospects. So first, you know, I want to talk about let's just go with the highest ceiling. Let's talk about the guy that we think if everything goes right, if if, you know, all of the development needed is granted for them. Who is the best cornerback? Who has the potential to be the best cornerback in this class? Well, you know I've been tentative with Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, you know, just because I think that he's not there. I don't think that he's great near the line of scrimmage right now in press. I don't think he's great in zone. I think he's exceptional in off-man. That's really where his 6'2", 207-pound frame with the athleticism he has is really shown off uh, in that area. But I think that there are some inconsistencies with him. But if you're asking me, like, who has the highest ceiling, for me, it's a no-doubter, right? Because this guy is, again, 6'2", over 205 pounds, has the all the athleticism in the world, former wide receiver recruit who has good ball skills. Like, everything is there for a guy like Caleb Farley if he puts it all together. I just don't think the immediate return is going to be as much as some of these guys. Um, but I think that the ceiling has to be him, right? Because, like, well, if we're talking about just pure size, weight, speed, and ball skills combined – Caleb Farley has upside that can rival, like, you know, I mean, he's a better athlete than Marcus Peters, but, like, why can't he be a ball tur- uh, turnover magnet like but Marcus Peters is? He has that type of frame, length, and uh, ball skills to do so. And I think that when, a few years down the line, if you told me that Caleb Farley was ultimately the best cornerback in this class, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, I just don't think that he is currently the best, if that makes sense. Yeah, I recently went back as I was watching some more of these cornerbacks kind of diving in a little bit deeper. I went back to Caleb Farley's tape just to refresh my memory and and kind of finalize his evaluation for me. And like you said, I, I'm a little bit higher. And I think during the summer we talked about this as well. I'm a little bit higher on his current press man ability than you are. I know I know we had some discourse about that over the summer, mm-hmm. but where he really struggles for me is in zone coverage. And I know some people laud him for his his zone coverage ability and think that's one of the stronger points of his game. And I, I didn't see that myself. I think he he gets lost in space. And I think a lot of that is just due to the fact that he's green at the position. He, you know, the wide receiver convert, as you alluded to, is is part of the reason he's, you know, he's still putting it together. But the athleticism, like you said, the size, the length, uh, with that speed and that click and close ability and off-man coverage, he does. He has a very, very high ceiling, and and I figured you would go there. So I wanted to switch it up and talk about another corner that I think has a very, very high ceiling. That is Efitu Melifonwu. Okay. Uh, similar measurables from a from a size, length, height, uh, athleticism standpoint. I think he's better in zone and worse in man. I think he's just kind of a little bit of a flip uh, from what you get with um, Caleb Farley right now, but. I'm not as high as some of the guys that we talked to on Melifonwu. I don't think he's a first-round caliber no. prospect. He doesn't have a first-round grade for me. But you 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 got to talk about the athletic traits with him and the size and 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 length that he does have. I think there's a a lot to unlock there. Coming from Syracuse and a talented defensive backcourt, he was a standout uh, throughout his career there. So uh, Melifonwu for me has a super high ceiling. Um, but like you said, Caleb Farley, for sure, if it's when it's all said and done, if he becomes the best corner in this draft class, I don't think anyone can argue 
uh, with with that outlook. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of guys from NFL Draft Bible are big Melifonu guys. I like Melifonu. Like, I, I have a second-round grade on him. I think he's a good football player. There's no doubt. I mean, size, length, athleticism, it's all there. I just think that he's still a little green. You know, in press, he's really good. But then anything outside of press, like, I just feel like is a little – like, he's a segmented mover, right? Like, he needs to get hands right. on you at the line of scrimmage or else he's a little – you know, he's a little clunky. Like, it's just natural because he's long-limbed and he's high-cut and he's not a guy that you should expect to get out of breaks even though he's the similar size to Farley who excels in that area. But I, I do think that Mel Fonwu has a really nice upside, like you're saying – I think that he could end up being one of the top five corners in this class when it's all said and done. I don't currently have have him out in there, and I guess that's a little spoiler for you, Alex. Yeah, I was about to say, you're, you're cheating. I know, man. We need to guess top fives at the end, so I guess the cat's out of the bag that Mel Fonwu is not a top five corner for me. But I think that he has all them tools, and I, I think that if I could urge people real quick to do something, Obi Mel Fonwu, his older brother, he was a bust. Like, he was mo- he was. Pure athlete, not football player coming out of UConn. Tested out of his mind. Everyone got excited about the measurables. Some people are going to look at this kid and say, Mel Fonwu, outstanding athlete, upside is there, all that type of stuff. Ifiatu is much better than Obi. Don't get that twisted. He's a good football player. I think a press man team that is going to unlock that length at the line of scrimmage more often than Syracuse did is going to get a heck of a football player. Yeah, we, we see that a lot. We see people compare the brothers. You know, we saw that with the St. Brown brothers. We're still seeing it, you know, with the Monroe in this in this draft class. People saying, how do they relate to their brother and, and their athleticism and such? So, but yes, you know, if you two, Melifano is not his brother, I think he's a pretty good prospect. I think he's going to be a top 50, 60 pick in this year's class, probably a, a early to mid second rounder, if I had to guess at this point. I think I think some of these guys, man, they, they they make the mistake. They need to play different positions. Like Patrick yes. like Patrick Sertan, obviously Asante Samuel, they're all play the the position and you were talking about brothers, but like they all play the position that their father played. Fa- right. Like JC Horn, his his dad was he a wide receiver. It. Nah, you can't compare them anymore. They're not the same guys, you know, they don't play the same positions. We need more and that's we- what Go ahead. I was gonna say that's what makes JC different. He wants to he wants to lock his dad up growing up. That's why he played a different position. He wanted to lock his dad up. Absolutely, yeah. I think that we need more sons or younger brothers that play different positions, so we don't have to ultimately. Because like the mind's gonna revert back to it for a second. I mean, like, I'd be right. lying if I didn't say for a second, like, oh god, another Melifonwu. You know, like when I first heard his right. name. But then you you kind of get that bias out of your mind, and you see that the tools are completely different, the players completely different. And you kind of sort through what Ifiatu is comparative to Obi Melfonwu. It's just, I think our mind just kind of reverts quickly to they must be the same person. Asante Samuel Jr. might be must be the same as Asante Samuel Sr., even though they're not at all. They're completely yeah. different players. Um, but it's just a shame that some of those misconceptions will lead to some biased opinions at points. No, for sure. Uh, so let's go to the highest floor. We talked about the guys that, you know, have some development to go and and if they reach that have a very, very high ceiling. But who do you just trust? And and that's kind of how I took it. Like, I know what they are and I trust that they'll be good. Yeah. And so for 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 you, who is that guy? Patrick Sertan. I mean, he's, yeah, that's the easy answer. It's, it's so easy, man. I mean, honestly, like he's got the six two frame. He's a good enough. A- I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for, to be honest. I do too. He's been coached by Nick Saban. He's grown up around his father, Patrick Sertan, who was a outstanding cornerback for the Miami Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs. He's been around the game his entire life. His tape is so solid. Like tech, from a technical perspective, press man corner, 
absolutely phenomenal. He can fit into a cover three system if you want to throw him in there in that in the zone heavy scheme. Like he can do all those types of things. I just I just feel like there's such a high floor. Like at worst for me, in the w- absolute worst case scenario, I think because I don't think there's bust potential here. At worst case scenario, Patrick Sertan is a very good c- corner too on a team. Like I think that's the the absolute worst. That's the floor. That's the right. floor. Yeah, I, I I think that that is at the absolute worst case scenario that he is. The corner, a really good cornerback two on a team, and then he has obviously the upside to be a cornerback one moving forward. And if you ask me right now, if I'm a betting man, who's going to be the first cornerback off the board? Although you know that I'm very, you know, very heavily favored of another corner that we'll talk about here right. in a couple minutes. I do think that Patrick Sertan probably has the best chance to be that top ten player when all is said and done. Yeah, the thing is with Patrick Sertan is he. I think people they look at Caleb Farley and that athleticism. They look at J.C. Horn and the physicality and the ability to pre- play press man and and just the the demeanor that, in which he plays. And they kind of just think that Sertan's this average fellow when Sertan is a very very good prospect. I agree with you. I think that the from a highest floor perspective, I think what you're getting with Sertan is a good football player at the very least. Yeah. And with that, I knew I knew Sertan was the easy answer. So if you went there, I have another name in mind, and it's a little bit lower down the board, kind of like Melifonwu. And for me, that's Elijah Molden out of Washington. Yep, Elijah Molden has just played, you know, year after year. He's just a good cornerback. He's making plays on the ball. The only thing with him is he's a little undersized. But I think with the the growth of the nickelback position and just having that that role in the defense a la creed uh creed humphrey <laughs> marlon humphrey from the baltimore ravens out of alabama as well creed humphrey is not a slot cornerback guy he should don't, be don't mistake he me should be. good athlete for the position but not a not a <laughs> slot cornerback creed humphrey that's going on twitter as Man. soon as we're done here yeah it, i'm gonna get i yeah i know i'm <laughs> I'm going to see that one on Twitter later. <laughs> but no, look, he's just a good football player. And I think at the very least, you're getting a good slot cornerback that's very, very smart. And I think that he's scheme diverse uh, in that position. I think, you know, you can take advantage of his instincts. His level of instincts is just so high at that position. He just knows how to click and close. I think what you're getting in Molden is a day two player that you're going to plug in week one and he's going to play like an NFL caliber uh, inside corner. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And I, I would say, I was a little lower on Molden in the in the summer, and he's a guy. He's a slow burn for me. Where I've I've I get it now. I get it. I think he's the best corner uh, nickel corner in the draft by far. Uh, I think that he also, with how he tackles, can play safety as well. I think some teams will look at him as a too high potential safety playing coming down in the box at points. I think that he can do that as well. I even heard on Locked On NFL Draft where Ben Solak commented, and I kind of agree with it. You know that in some cover too heavy schemes. You might even like Elijah Molden on the outside, which I don't think is the best right. option, but I think that some teams might toy with it. But I think that no matter what, you're talking about a starting caliber nickel or safety in a defense that has the potential to play for a long time. No, for sure. And like you said with the cover two thing, you know, if you're if you're able to keep him in short zones and and keep his eyes in the backfield, I think that's where you're going to get the best product out of him. He has great eyes. He's absolutely phenomenal yeah. eyes. I agree 100 percent. So those are some of those guys that, you know, Patrick Sertain, for sure, like you alluded to, uh, is definitely someone that at worst is a QB is a CB2 on an NFL team. I just I, I agree with that. And and if you can get that in the top 10, I mean, worst case scenario, the biggest bust potential is a is a good CB2. And I, and I agree with you. 
that I think that's a value, you know, to get that in the top 10. Uh, you know, there's some there's some cornerback needy teams at the back half of the top 10 that that could look that way. And then as well, Elijah Molden, you know, kind of put him anywhere. He can be a chess piece on a defense, but just the instincts and the smarts just allows him to be, you know, such a safe prospect. Next, we're going to talk about let's get into some physicality. Let's talk about someone. And this is something Ryan came up with. So, uh, Ryan, if you want to elaborate further on exactly what you mean by this, but don't want to meet in a dark alley. Go ahead. Tell tell me your thoughts there. Yeah, I, I think the mind immediately goes to press man corners, right? Like the guys that right. are going to beat you up in the line of scrimmage, maybe beat you up in the run game. And I think it's good that like to, for me to intro this one, because one of the guys I just talked about was one that I want to throw in here was Elijah Molden. I think he mm-hmm. is the best tackler in this cornerback group, if we're if we're coupling outside corners and nickels, like this guy is a super physical defensive back who plays as a force player, running the alley. He does so many things in the run game, and he is. I mean, he has no. I think it's. I think it's nice to also mention about Elijah is that his father played in the NFL. He just has kind of that sense to him, but then that physicality he plays with. He plays with such high effort. Um, and then I also want to throw out, of course, I need to talk about J.C. Horn because I can't go a oh, podcast without, without talking to. about J.C. Horn. <laughs> Best press man corner in the class. I mean, this guy wants to beat you up on every single rep. When I talked to him, he told me that his testing numbers were going to be a lot better than people think. Um, if you haven't, uh, actually, I don't even know if we put that one out yet. So JC Horn interview will be coming up soon. He's going to test a lot better than you think. But then also the thing he said is he wants to get over 20 reps on the bench for, for a corner is insane. <laughs> that's not a, that's yeah. not a typical number. And I think that really, you know, how much does bench pressing matter? It's a good conversation to have, but for him, like that's what he does. Like he presses guys at the line of scrimmage. He is super physical and he is, I mean, he's beating guys up on every single rep. There's no ifs, if, ands or buts about him. I asked him. Like, JC, I think that you could do some things in off. I think you could do things in zone. I know you could do things in press. What do you feel? And I even phrase it as in, like, do you feel like there's one that fits you best? Or do you think that you're a kind of a good combination that you can do multiple things? And usually the answer will be, oh, I can do everything. You know, like, I'm, I am I can do everything. He's like, I'm playing press man 100% of the time. I'm like, I know you are, man. I know you are. You want to get up on the line. You want to be super physical with guys. And you want to beat them up. So for me, J.C. Horn, right. Elijah Molden, uh, Alex, I'm interested to hear this one. If you don't say J.C., I'm going to be a little disappointed, to be honest. No, J.C. is my answer. Okay, I, I have another I have another guy for this one, but I, I have a superlative for him coming up, if that's any kind of hint uh, to where he's going to end up. I'm not going to say the name until we get there. But you, you talked about the bench press, and more so than the translation at the position, because if you think bench pressing 24 times is going to is going to make you a good cornerback you'd be wrong but I think it's just it just talks to his his competitive nature and his willingness to want to be the best and beat men uh at you know at when it comes to strength because that's just a man you know the the football the man thing to do and I I just love that attitude uh to want to be the best in every aspect though bench press numbers isn't the telltale sign of how good of a prospect you are I just love that mentality but for me I agree with you it's JC Horn all the way uh if 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 there's one corner that's going to keep you within five yards of the line of scrimmage for the the duration of the play, it's J.C. Horn in this year's class. He just, the willpower, the mindset. I've actually been watching. He has a little series going on on YouTube. I don't know if you know about it. No, I don't. Where he, he's, he's training, you know, out in California with Tyson Campbell and some other guys in, in this year's class. And he's just kind of documenting it, you know, through vlogs and such. So you get to kind of, kind of see the personality a little bit more through that. So I've been watching that on YouTube. 
uh, just to kind of, you know, for us in the media, any kind of insight we can get to kind of the person and getting to know the person, I'm going to take it. So I've been watching that quite a bit. So if you haven't, I would check that out. Shout out to JC Horn for kind of documenting this, this draft process from his point of view. Uh, you know, we got to talk about some day three guys and some some guys that we don't get it as much before getting to our top fives. But first, we got to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Uh, whether you want to shop for rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, which is made up of a team of experienced sneaker authenticators who verified the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell and to flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So, Ryan, we have to talk about some guys that aren't being talked about as much. Uh, and, and usually that comes in the form of talking about some day three guys, someone that we're going to see taken on Saturday uh, in April when the draft comes. So who is someone that you think is going to be taken on day three that you just you, you find yourself higher on than the general consensus? I really like, and I actually – wrote a piece on him for NFLDraftBible.com, uh, Nashawn Wright, who is the cornerback out of Oregon State. So the backstory real quick on him is his brother was actually featured on the, the most recent Last Chance U, uh, Rajon Wright, who is now at Oregon State as well. Nashawn is a year older than Rajon, and he is listed on the Oregon State roster over the last two years at six foot four, 187 pounds. And we, as we know, usually college official heights and weights are ludicrous, to say the least. You know, you usually guys get at least an inch and maybe a little bit of weight as well. Right, man, Nashawn might be a legitimate 6'3", 6'4". Like, he is super long, athletic, a guy that was a track guy in high school, very accomplished track runner, and a guy that played wide receiver, played corner. He's still relatively new to playing defensive back. And you saw in his two years, although an abbreviated season in 2020, there's ball skills there. There is absolute ball skills. Five interceptions and like 15 pass breakups or something like that, and despite only playing in four games this past season. And you see it, the length obviously jumps off, but then you see him run, playing like cover three and even in, in man situations. The kick and run, if you keep him on a ver- vertical third, I think that he can be very successful. So that tells me, hey, press man teams, heavy cover three teams like Seattle or San Francisco or the New York Jets, I'm sure, will be now. Nation Wright could play ball. And I think that he, in a normal year where we have a combine, if he went to the combine at six foot three and ran in the four, four, eight range, which I think he might, then we might be talking about him a lot more. But but because he's going to go to the pro day and he might run those similar numbers. People are going to question how legitimate those times are, all that type of stuff. Right. So I don't think that he's going to experience the rise that I thought he could before, you know, the combine was pushed to just medicals and, you know, all the team stuff. I still think, though, that this kid is a starting level player eventually on the next level. I think that, in again, sort of like Bryce Hall last year, who I was a big fan of out of Virginia, who obviously yeah. had the 
um, the injury that that held him out of the draft process. He's not as good as Bryce, but I think of them similarly to how they win. And we saw Bryce all healthy this year was the New York Jets' best corner. Absolutely. Yeah. In the right role, he was very successful. That's why I really valued Bryce Hall for what he was. And I, I value Nashon the same way. I think that he needs to fill out his body a little bit, get you know, grow into that frame because a substantial amount of weight can get put on that frame. But I think that the baseline traits, size, length, and athleticism, talking about straight line vertical speed, I think that in a cover three heavy scheme or a press man te- a scheme that asked their, asked their corners to stay on that vertical third of the field, I think that there is some up-tap potential here, and I think that there's starter upside with a guy like Nashawn Wright. Yeah, there's definitely some traits and some tools to work with there, and that's someone you've been talking about quite a bit since you kind of dove into his film, what, a couple months ago or so. Yeah. Uh, we kind of got a background, you know, through his brother's lens uh, through the last season of uh, Last Chance You, like you talked about a little bit. Uh, so, a, you know, a, a interesting backstory, getting to where he was, him and his brother both. Uh, like you said, the, the size is legit. You see it on tape. You can tell he towers over people. So, uh, Nashawn Wright, that's a good pick. For me, it's a player that if he had the same level of play in 2019 as he did this past season in 2020, we're talking about a day two player, and that is Shakur Brown from Michigan State. Huh. Uh, Shakur, you know, abbreviated season. I think he played. Uh, it was seven game season for Michigan State this year in the Big Ten, and he was dominant. I think he had what five interceptions. He just looked sticky in man coverage. Uh, you know, I, I just think he he plays press very well. He just looked very natural. And you go back to look at his 2019 to kind of see that development. Uh, and he just did not look like the same athlete in 2019. So that just is a testament to the to the work that he put in during that, you know, elongated off season where he just wanted to be become better than everyone else. And he was he just looked like a different animal out there. So I think because of the inconsistencies in his play, you know, not showing that for multiple seasons, there's going to be questions of is this just a, you know, it, it, did he just have a hot streak? And when it's only seven weeks worth of the season, you can you can feasibly have that argument that he just, you know, was hot at the right time, you know, in the perfect timing. But I really, really think he just looks a lot more comfortable out there uh, in his 2020 film. So Shakur Brown is someone that I think just a, he's a scheme diverse player. I think he played well in both zone, man, press, off man. I think he can really do it all. I, I just love his demeanor. You talked about J.C. Horn and that feistiness uh, and wanted, you know, wanting to get physical at the line of scrimmage. I think Brown possesses a lot of those same uh, traits. I think he has adequate size. I think he's listed at about six foot 180. We'll see what the official, uh, you know, measurables are there. But I think, you know, if you want to move him inside, you can move him inside. I think he can play outside. I think he can just be that developmental role player in a defensive back group that can kind of play a number of different alignments for you as a depth piece early on with with the tools and and the traits to to become a starting caliber player in year two, year three. I'll be very honest. I have not watched Shakur play. I have not seen him at all. Um, go check it out. I guess I have to, man. Like uh, I already moved into 2022, but I guess I need to go back and no, you got to go back Shakur and watch Brown. Shakur. The 20, the 2020 is fun. A five intercept. How have you not watched a guy in the Big Ten with five interceptions in seven games? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of corners. You know, you can't get through. No, the there is. It is. There's it's a, a very deep class, and that you know, we didn't talk about the depth of this class too much at the top of the show. When we're talking about the class as a whole, but yeah, we talked about just the strength of the class. But it is. It is a deep class. There's so many names that you're just bound to leave some some 
good football players off your watch list, especially you know, going into, this. especially with how important the nickel position is now, because I feel right. like there is like, if we're, well, cause again, we're coupling outside corners and inside corners into this show. There's a ton of good inside corners this year. Like there's a lot of guys. We mentioned Elijah Molden, the wild goose kid from, from uh, Wisconsin. I know some people really like a ton. Um, Aaron Robinson, you mentioned it played a lot of inside for, for, uh, for UCF, former Alabama transfer, Trey Brown from Oklahoma, Asante Samuel Jr. could be a guy that could do some stuff inside as well. Kerry Vincent, like there's a lot of good nickels, man. There's it's just, I just really when you take a look at it, just from an outside perspective, from a macro view, it's a really deep class in general. No, it is. Let's turn. Let's kind of turn our attention to just someone that you watch that you just. You don't quite get it. You don't quite kind of get the hype at this point. And I don't like to, you know, delve too much on some guys. Uh, some guys, Sometimes I have fun with it. But at the end of the day, we we wish, you know, all the success for these guys. But who's someone that you watch that you just don't feel as optimistic about as some other people? A late riser here. A late riser. Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't get it. <laughs> um why don't I get it? He's, I, I, he's an athlete. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He's a good athlete. He's got length. Like, I get that side of it. Like, I get the upside potential. But, I mean, I've seen people put him in the first and second round, which I just, yeah. man, 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 man. Because my guy, yeah. for every good rep he has, I mean, I, I mean, he's a better athlete than Jalen Mills that plays with the Eagles that actually converted to safety now. But, like, similar problems, man. Like, they have not great eyes. Their technique isn't great. And for a guy like Joseph, he gets beat on more double moves than any corner I've seen in this class. Like, he just does not have a good feel for understanding route concepts in front of him and, and, and the, um, the manipulation that wide receivers are going to have at the top of their stem. Like, I just don't, like, understand him, to be honest. I think if you are asking him to just turn and run with guys all day, like, he could do that. Like, no doubt about it. I mean, we saw right. that play that he had against Devonta Smith, and he has – Pretty good ball skills as well. So, like, I get that. If we're asking him to just play deep third and do all that type of stuff and run with guys, like, play trail, like, I I, I get that stuff. But there's way more to it than just that aspect of the game. And to say that this guy is a first-round potential player, you're telling me that he can do all these things. He can do more than yeah. just being a scheme-specific player. Kelvin Joseph, for me – is the ultimate boomer bust guy because if he is literally if he is actually getting late first round to early second round hype he's going to play a lot and he's going to play a lot early and if he plays a lot early it's sink or swim at that point either he is going to take his lumps and he is going to rise out of the ashes and reach his potential or he is going to just have his confidence shot because right now I mean, that guy is a couple bad plays away from, I think, really getting his confidence shot because I don't think he's ready. He's only a retro sophomore. I think he should have went back for one more year because we only have one year of production. It was solid production. He showed some good stuff. There's tools to work with, but he's just not ready. And for this talk that he has right now, I, I just I can't get behind it. Yeah, it's just a question of valuation. Like, where do you value that one year of production at the SEC level and the, the ability? Like, you talked about, like, what his – where he's going to fit best at the NFL. Like where do you, you know, with the, you have to, if he's a, you have to project so much about his game and where do you value that? For me, that's not on round one, round two. There's too many cornerbacks in this draft class that can be premier guys early on for me to invest that high draft capital in him. For me, he's a late day two player. Like if you took him somewhere in the third round as a developmental piece or early fourth round as a developmental piece, like I could get behind that. 
But if you're talking about him being a top 64 player, you're saying that he potentially could play for you early. And especially in a league where we have so many wide receivers, the influx of wide receiver talent over the last couple of years, we need right. cornerbacks to counteract that. We don't have enough good def- defensive backs in the NFL right now. So if you're drafting a guy that early, you're saying this guy's going to play for us. And I do not think he's anywhere near playing for you in 2021. And I think and I think at the NFL level, we see this at the quarterback position especially, but I think you see it in a lot of cornerback situations as well. But you don't have very long before teams start giving up on you and start investing, you know, to to replace you. Right. You know, you see that Isaiah Oliver with the Atlanta Falcons is just a is just a an example that's, you know, just so easy for me because I'm a Falcons fan. But, you know, Isaiah Oliver you know, you, you after two years, everyone's writing you off and saying, oh, he just didn't he just didn't develop, you know, like onto the next. And and, you know, many Falcons fans want to look to the cornerback position again this year after investing in A.J. Terrell uh, in last year's class. So it, you don't have very long. And I, I just think that the developmental period that it's going to take for Kelvin Joseph to take that next step is just is, I don't know. I, I don't think that's worth a top, you know, 50 pick like some people are mocking him out to be. Yeah. For me, I alluded to this player as someone I don't want to meet in an alley. So we're talking about a physical football player that I just don't understand, and that is that is Aaron Robinson from Central Florida. Yeah. You know, he 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 went to the senior bowl, he showed off his ability to play, you know, and be physical. And I I have I appreciate his the physical nature in which he plays, but you know, some people are like Kelvin Joseph, you know, began to rise on him and make him this top fifty player and I just think there's too many holes in his game. I just don't love his his instincts and coverage. I don't love his athleticism. I don't think he has great ball skills. I, and his tackling, you know, was better in 2020, but in his 2019 tape, you saw more of it. It's just inconsistent for such a physical brand of football that he plays. I I, I don't know. He can play anywhere. I think I think you can get some versatility from him, whether you want to play him inside or outside. I think he honestly projects a little bit better inside as someone that's more of a run defender. Uh, you know, kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. I think he can play, you know, zone, you know, press man a little bit. He can play a mixed coverage role, but I just don't think he does anything all that great outside of being physical, which I think is just something that stood out in Mobile was that physicality. And I think people became enamored with that as, you know, press man ability is just so much fun to watch and everyone wants a good press man corner. And and I think he's he's a good press man corner. I think he has that physicality, but I just question so many other aspects of his game to to think he's one of the better cornerbacks in this year's class. He's weird. He's a weird player. Because, like, you look at him and you're like, huh, okay, he's got length. He seems to have some athleticism. Like, he's an outside corner. Like, easy, right? Well, but then you'll watch it and you're just like, huh, he might not have the best speed of all time, which is probably no. why he's thrown inside for UCF. And then the worst part is, like, People talked about him as being a riser after the Senior Bowl. The one rep specifically that was highlighted all week was Kadarius Toney got him down mm-hmm. the seam. He turned and run, and he – I mean, there was legit separation. And people acted like it was this great recovery speed and had a pass breakup in the end zone. Tony slowed down. What, when in actuality, it's, it was an underthrown football, and right. he came back for the ball. And, I mean, it was a nice play to break it up, but it's like in the – like if it was a good quarterback – that's a touchdown, like just right. straight out. I, I don't think that he is – I graded him as a fourth-rounder, and I thought That's where he is that was me. solid enough. You know, he's a good football player. He's, he's not bad. Like he has developmental potential. But in this, again, he's same thing with Kelvin Joseph. If we're talking about him in late first into the second-round conversation, no thank you. No thank you. I Because, I, one, I, I don't think that Aaron Robinson – 
has enough traits to last outside. I don't think he right. does. And then it's like just a weird, weird kind of fit inside because I, although I think that he has that size and physicality to play in there, I don't think he's incredibly quick twitched. So mm-hmm. then you're saying like, okay, so he's a zone-based nickel corner. He can't even play too much man inside. I, I just – I'm a little confused by him to be honest. Yeah, it's, all, it's almost just one of those situations where you just don't know what to do with him at the next level. And right. for me, you know, he, you talk about – we'll go back to his physicality and that being such a pro in his game. It's almost to a fault. Yeah. You know, you talk about cornerbacks that are physical, but you have to know when to turn it off. And especially at the NFL level, they are going to throw flags at him all day because he's physical throughout the entire stem yeah. of the route, not just within the first five yards where you can get away with it. He is dragging people's shoulders and he he's just he's grabbing the entire rep. And that's just another that's another testament to his lack of athleticism to naturally keep up with these guys and you know, I think there's some things to hang your hat on for him as a football player, but he is. He's a confusing evaluation, and I think he's someone that, because his of his athletic limitations, he's going to have to grab in which we see on tape already that he grabs quite a bit, and I think he's going to get flagged quite a bit, and he's going to put his his team in a in a bad position. And for me, I like you said, I have a fourth round grade on him as well. But you know, there's some people that think that he's his top fifty, top sixty player, and I I just can't get there with him right now. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I think again, we're the, we're in a league that is so desperate for good defensive back play. Like we're just going to constantly be pushing these guys up, but it's Mm going to be a detriment to their career because again, these guys are either going to learn on the fly and improve very quickly or their confidence is going to be shot. And I think Aaron Robinson kind of fits into that billing as well as a Kelvin Joseph does. Right. All right. So let's get into our top fives. Let's talk about the, the top guys in this year's class. How do you want to do this, Ryan? You want to go five through one and guess five through one, or you want to guess the whole thing at once? How do you want to do this? I guess let's go at once, okay? Um, okay. Since you've been leading us, I will guess yours first, I guess. Okay, let's do it. Guess away. Number five, I'm going to say is Ifyatu Melifanwu. I'm going to say number four. I know you said that Stokes is better than Farley right now, but I'm going to say that the the upside of Farley is going to push him up. So I'm going to say Stokes is four. I'm going to say Farley's three. Then I'm going to say Horn, and then Sertan is number one. Look, you almost had it. I mean, oh. and, I, and, I, and I look, and I think number five is the trickiest part because it's really just a pick your flavor kind of situation. Melifano was close to my top five. I think he landed at six for me. Is it me Samuel? I, I, is it Samuel? It is Asante oh, Samuel Jr. I know yes, it, it is. I'm a, I, I came around to him this year. Good player. I just, Good player. Yeah, no, he is. I mean, inside out, you can play him inside, and he has the physicality. I think he has the quick twitch, the instincts to play inside. And if you play him outside, I think he fits best in a cover two role where you're not asked to turn and run very much because I, I do question his overall long speed. But I think, yeah. you know, if he can keep his eyes in the backfield and click and close, I think that's where he's best. And those instincts and ball skills. I, you can just tell he's a nuanced player at the position. You know, you can tell he came from that background with his father, you know, playing in the NFL, Asante Samuel as well. So he just he just looks like a savvy veteran out there. And I just think he's – you talk about high floor. We were talking about some of those guys. I think Asante Samuel Jr., you know, can can be put in that category as well. But you got the rest of it completely right. I, I think the biggest question for you kind of going up the rest of it was Farley or Stokes. You know I'm a big Stokes guy. Yep. I just love – I think that athleticism rivals that, and we saw that with the testing this weekend. I mean – how much validity you want to put into the testing numbers we got but even if uh, you, this past week even if you want to knock the, the testing down like even if the people are like oh we need to add a tenth of a second to that right 
it's to both of them. It's still a four three four. It's right. still fast. Either way, right. he's a. Fa- I mean, I don't. I don't think there was ever a question, and and if there was, I don't understand where we were looking. But I don't think there was ever a question in Stokes's athleticism. That was his calling card. And also, you can't like so the forty. Everything everybody's going to be questioning, like how valid is that? It's a conversation. I get it. One, like I said, all right. Oh, so now it's only a four three four instead of a four two four. Like, who cares there for one? And then the right. uh, the rest of the the rest of the testing speaks for itself because he had like a forty one and a half inch vert. This dude's an athlete. Like, let's call it. What yes, it is. Stokes is an athlete. I think, uh, like I was saying a second ago, is the athleticism really rivals that of Farley. You talk about Farley having the highest ceiling because of that athleticism. The only thing that puts Farley higher for me, and I and I and I will stand by the fact that I think Stokes is a better year one player than Farley. Yeah. I do. I think he's. I think he's more ready to play a more diverse role. I think Farley just has too much development to go from a zone coverage perspective as well as press man. Though I, I think his press man ability is better than where I feel like you think it is. I still think it has a ways to go. I just think the tools that he has from a length and size standpoint does just push him over Stokes barely for me. Uh, Stokes, though, you know, zone coverage. You want him to play a cover two. You, he can he can click and close really really well. You want to play him a cover three and cover a third of the field vertically. He definitely has the speed to do that, and he plays well in man coverage as well, both from an off man where he can showcase that click and close ability as well as a, a press man ability too, where he can play in a trail technique and really you know that that foot quickness and that that speed is just. Yeah, I just think he's a good football player. Yeah. So for me, that, you, that was that was good. That was good. Thank you, you. You did really well. I think. I think another conversation we can have, we can kind of have this this conversation after we we talk about your top five is where do you value the upside versus what you know? And you know, talking about Sertan being my number my number one corner, you kind of know where I stand in that. But we'll talk about it after I guess yours. So for me, I'm gonna guess for for Ryan, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna reverse because it'll be easier for my mind to do that. Because I don't have it written out here. Okay. Number one, I know is JC Horn. It's been since the summer. JC Horn is your CB1. I think CB2 for you is definitely Patrick Sertan. I think the floor, you just know what you're getting out of him. Three, I think you got Farley as well. I think it, it is. It's the highest ceiling. You talked about him being your highest ceiling player. I think the ceiling there, uh, do you think he's worth the top 10 pick? Maybe, maybe not. You have some other guys you prefer, but I think I think he's a top, t- you know, a, a first round caliber prospect just based off the upside alone. This is where it gets tricky with, tricky with Ryan. I know you like Stokes as well. I think Stokes is number four for you, but number five, I just I've been struggling with number five for you. I don't know which way to go. You're not as big as on Melifonwu. I just Asante Samuel Jr. you could have as well. I know you don't like Tyson Campbell. That's someone you could have talked about a little bit more as someone you don't get it with. I know. Well, I know well, what you were talking. Luckily for for uh, for um, Tyson Campbell, you know, Kelvin. I watched Kelvin Joseph a couple weeks ago, and I was like, huh, okay, sorry, Tyson. You, I don't get you either, but <laughs> I don't get Kelvin Moore. So <laughs> I'm gonna guess Asante Samuel Jr., but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, now you're off a little bit. Uh, let me just go. I'll start from the top like you did, and just go down the list real quick. Uh, JC is number one. Like, just he has been everything he did this year, especially that Auburn game. Like, he cemented it for me. And then the testing hours I heard that that he told me he's going to run. Like at the at some point, man, you have that alpha mentality. You have ball production now. You have NFL bloodlines. Like, it's just checking everything off. Like at some point, it's just like I understand why some people clamor to other guys, but it's like. Where's the hole in J.C. Horn? Like, I, I, I'm i just struggling to find the hole. Patrick Sertan is number two. You got that one right? right. I'm a big fan of Patrick, man. I just think that he's his floor is so high. I just think that he's going to be a very good corner for a long time. 
Had a, inter- a chance to interview him as well. Very soft-spoken, polite young man that is very hardworking as well. Number three, I have Eric Stokes. Actually. Oh, you I, actually dude, did it. Dude, I love Eric Stokes, man. I've loved Eric Stokes since the summer. I really like Eric Stokes. I, I, yeah, you, that was one of your guys over the summer. This was my biggest thing, right? And, and you mentioned Tyson Campbell. Everyone for the longest time was like, Eric Stokes might be the better player, but Tyson Campbell has a higher ceiling because he has better tools. Does he? Does he have better tools? Like, he might be more physically well put together. But, like, yeah, I, 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 I watch Stokes in the summer, and I'm like, this guy's a 4-3 athlete. Like, there's no doubt about it. He can run, man. I, I mean, I said this to you, Alex. You know I was a little lower on C.J. Henderson, right? What right. is the big difference physically between C.J. Henderson and Eric Stokes? I don't get what the big difference is. Stokes Stokes is a better tackler. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, I'm talking just fit, like, that, yeah, from an athletic like perspective, any, you know? No, I'm just saying, like, if anything, I think Stokes has that on him. And C.J. Right. Henderson was a top, what What was he, the ninth pick? Something like that, top ten, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I, I don't see very much difference from a size perspective. They're very similar. From a length perspective, very similar. They're both long you know, lanky athletes, you know, kind of shorter, but they're both long, lanky athletes with 4-3 speed and and good man coverage ability. So I agree with you. Well, no, and I I just saw, like, when I was watching Stokes in the summer, even though he didn't have ball production, I'm like, this guy is just in phase all the time. Like, he's just glued to his back hip. Like, he's never in bad position. I'm like, that's why everyone loves C.J. Henderson. Why are people not liking Eric Stokes more? Because he hasn't recorded an interception yet? Like, those things are... I don't know. We, we, we talked about that again. conversation a bunch, man. Like that just context to some things, especially in guys that are playing a ton of man-to-man coverage. Stokes played more zone this year, and guess what? He had four interceptions. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thought that that would have happened? <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. And then I have Farley at four because I see the upside. I get it. I'm, you know, I, I like him. I like him. I think he's a good player. I just, the, the, and this is the conversation you asked me about already, right? That you wanted to talk about was mm-hmm. ceiling versus what you're getting. For this position, I actually prefer what I know I'm getting. I prefer the floor for a cornerback position because it is a position that confidence can get shot so easily. Mm-hmm. And guys can, might never hit that upside because, like, man, like, guys go into the tank quick and, and it's just downhill from there. Like, it happens all the time to guys. Justin Gilbert had some demons off the field, right? But, like, his confidence was shot his rookie year against Cleveland. Athletically, Justin Gilbert was a baller. His tape was good at Oklahoma State. It was just mentally he just couldn't he couldn't hack it. So I I, right. I prefer the floor a little bit. So that's why I Farley afforded, although I think Farley could ultimately be the best corner in this class if when all is said and done. And then five, this one was a tough one for me, honestly. I've guys very similar range. I have Noah Fonwu. I had Asante Samuel, who is who's your guess. Elijah Molden. I, again, oh, okay. I have warmed up no, to I'm Elijah Molden so much, and I wanted to get a nickel on this list as well. I think he's just good, man. Like, he's good. But, like, I, I'm not a fan of, like, drafting nickels in the first round, but, like, if someone on the back end of the first round said, like, give me Elijah Molden, I wouldn't argue against it because, like, you're getting a good football player for a long time. I think he's more a, a second-round player, but I think Elijah Molden is super solid, and he just barely – ekes out on this list of again like three or four guys fighting for that number five spot yeah that's how it was for me too uh, molden was in that conversation as well with a fee those those three were kind of in that next range as well as greg newsom excuse me that was that was the the four that were in that next range we didn't get to talk about too much greg newsom out of northwestern but that's a good football player as well that has seen himself rise up uh draft boards but that's one that i actually get he's a good football player i think he can play a multitude of roles for you 
uh, in the defense, and I just love his athleticism. But Molden, you I, you talked about you wouldn't you wouldn't hate someone taking him in the back half, you know, at the end of the first round. I'm, I'm with you because you think about it, and if you're in the the end of the first round, that means you're a Super Bowl contending team. And if you just need some cornerback help that you want someone to play right away because you're contending right now, Elijah Molden can be that for you. I, I said it when I was talking about high high floor I think he's going to step in and be a good NFL defensive back where whatever role you need him to play I think he's going to be a good football player day one and if you're a Super Bowl contending team you want someone that can translate quick you don't want you don't want to have to develop you want to you're competing now so I'm with you if someone wants to invest you know somewhere that 26 through 32 range if you're a, a Super Bowl contending team in 2021 going ahead Elijah Molden wouldn't be a bad option I agree with you yeah yeah, and he, he just – I don't know why he just screams New England Patriot to me. I know he's not going to be a Patriot, but, like, he just seems like that guy, man. Like, he's just like J.C. Jackson, you know? Like, yeah. just a guy that doesn't get enough credit but is just going to be good for a long time. Well, I'm glad to also get your perspective on the the ceiling versus floor, you know, uh, right. conversation at the cornerback prospect because I know typically you're a, a ceiling first guy. You, you, at some you know, positions. In, in most positions. Yeah, 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 at a lot of positions. I know we talk about some guys and you're like, you know, Andre Sisco, for instance – high ceiling but he does have a lower floor if we're if we're we're being real but that's your right. safety you, you know your top safety there with with Trayvon Merrick those are your top two and and so it, but I agree with you at this position at the cornerback position you your confidence is everything you see it you know confidence is everything and JC Horn has no shortage of it good football player no shortage of confidence CB1 uh someone that you know might have some trouble developing early on in, in like a Caleb Farley someone that has the tools but but may take longer to to get along, you know, they could have their confidence shot. I do agree with you there. So it is, I, I'm, I'm in a similar mindset. I want what I have now. And that's where the argument between Stokes and Farley came from me is, I, I you know, do you, do you, do you argue the upside or do you argue what you have now? And I think Eric Stokes is a better football player right now, but Farley at that size and, and similar athleticism, just the upside is just so much fun. So uh, so that was a great conversation. I'm glad we got to talk, you know, really in depth about a bunch of. We got a bunch of cornerbacks in this way. I like this format right here that we did today. Hear that, Joe? Uh, we kind of switched it up. Yeah, Joe, take notes. Uh, <laughs> we'll switch it up on what we got here. No, uh, I do. I like the superlatives aspect. It allows us to talk about more guys. I think. Uh, but that does it for us in this cornerback show. Uh, you know, tune in this Thursday as we're going to have another great interview. We'll see what Joe decides he wants to put out this Thursday. But you know it's going to be a good one with Ryan uh, at the helm there. Thank you for turning, tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at Rise in Draft. You can follow me at Alex Gilstrap. Follow Joe, even though he's not here, at Joe DeLeon. And you can follow the, the podcast at NFL Prospects Pod as well as the Believe Network at Believe podcast. Thank you for tuning in and stay tuned again on Thursday for another great interview. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.